Hello, and welcome to the Pricing for the Planet podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of business and sustainability, highlighting profitable and sustainable business models. I'm your host, Fabian Cross, and I'm here to figure out with you how to make sustainability a competitive edge. Indeed, for us, the only path to amplifying and accelerating sustainability is by framing it as a facilitator and a driving force for business. Whether you are a business leader, an entrepreneur, or simply curious about how sustainability can be monetized, this podcast is here for you. Today, I'm super happy to host Masiej Kraus, partner at Movens Growth Equity. Masiej, thank you so much for being here. A pleasure, pleasure. Thanks for the introduction, Fabian. And I really greatly admire what you're doing here around you know, sustainability. Thanks a lot. So, Masiej, you, you, you kind of know the podcast. So we always start from the end. So if listeners could take away just one key message from this podcast, what would it be? I guess, you know, the single most important takeaway would be that the concept of value-driven sustainability in, in pricing is, uh, is, is uh, or um, how to approach or how to understand the value-driven sustainability in pricing. And it means that uh, sustainable pricing isn't just about charging more. It's about creating the narrative that connects consumers with the broader impact of their purchases. And this is the important part. Sustainability does not start with just, oh, let's charge more because we have a sustainable product. No, it just has to start with the why. What's the value proposition around the product and the sustainability value advantage uh, that we offer? And when customers understand how their buying choices support environmental and social governance goals, the price becomes a reflected values, not just a transactional figure. And um, I think the other thing is that value-driven sustainability means more than just the cost. It's about the story where every dollar spent uh, contributes to the greater good. Like, for me, a good example is Tom's Shoes, uh, where they have a model that for every purchase that you make, they make a donation to someone in need. So then there is a clear link from consumer behaviors to the impact that they made. And I think this is the important element. Super interesting. And I remember you, you gave a, an amazing speech during the first annual summit about this concept of like when the, for industries or for companies where there is no willingness to pay. And, and I, I will do a spoiler alert because I think you have one dedicated chapter in our book, but for the V2. So stay tuned. We will have a great video for the monetizing and pricing sustainability book. Can you explore this issue further while introducing yourself to the audience? Yes, sure. So, uh, yeah, Mathieu, I've been doing pricing for more than 20 years. Started in a, in, in a corporation working at Nestle, then I moved to consulting. Then I had my own pricing startup that I sold. And now uh, I'm running a private equity in Warsaw, Poland, and still uh, working with our portfolio companies with, and with external uh, clients on, on optimizing their pricing. Uh, 
I, I teach pricing at different places, including Stanford Graduate School of Business. Uh, and I, I was I was honored to be invited to the first uh, summit um, uh, earlier this year in Paris. So and then at the summit, I was sharing my personal story that I I faced with uh, one of our portfolio companies when we struggled to price or to charge more for sustainability. Um, the, the the case is uh, um, salad bar chain. So we are. Uh, an equity owner of Salad Story. Salad Story is, imagine you have Subway, but instead of having a sandwich, when you select, you know, the bread and the, the ingredients, you would have a salad. So you select different ingredients for your salad, and at the end, you just get your salad ready-made just for you. And the, the let's say the challenge that we were facing is that we had a very loyal customer base, and they were complaining that we sell or we do offer those those salads in those very environmentally unfriendly uh, plastic boxes, transparent plastic boxes, like very standard ones for for any food. And we just listened to the voice of the customers telling us what they want, and we said, of course, so we understand. So let's just give them a, a choice. So now for just paying extra. 50 euro cents, you can have your salad in a sustainable packaging made of recyclable materials and all of that stuff. So whenever you would just come to the restaurant and you would just order your salad with all the ingredients you want to have, we would ask you, would you be willing to pay extra 50 euro cents more for the sustainable package? And to our surprise, just a very you know, tiny fraction of our consumers they actually opted for the sustainable packaging. So we were really puzzled. Hey, so you want to get the sustainable packaging. This is what you want for us. We offer it to you. We give you a choice. And then, you know, you just don't select it. So why is that? And then it just struck me. And um, I just recall the, uh, this great call, uh, quote from David Ogilvy, who said that the trouble with market research or listening to your customers is that people don't think what they feel uh, they don't say what they think and they don't do what they say. And that's yeah. exactly this case that we face here. So we are just still thinking, so what can we do? How can we still give our customers what they claim that they want? Um, and we figured out this simple solution not to give them a choice. So now at Salad Store, you don't have plastic uh, packaging. You only have those sustainable ones and you have to pay extra. So we actually limited the choice that we offer to to our uh, customers. Everyone is happy. <laughs> I love I love this example. I, I think it's 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 really shocking, and I think it's that's that's where you can start. You know, having conversation and discussions. But maybe mm -hmm. if you can take this example and and try to create kind of like not a framework, but like some more, more guidance for. A broader audience like what advice would you give to companies that find their clients are reluctant to pay more for sustainable products or services okay so i would say that in my experience the reluctance to pay a premium for sustainability offer uh, often stems from a disconnect between the perceived personal benefit and the actual cost and really to bridge this gap we must, must clarify and or clearly articulate the why behind those sustainable choices 
and align them with, with the consumer incentives so, so that it would be a no-brainer for them to go with the sustainable choice. It wouldn't require them to, I don't know, have extra will, uh, perseverance or internal motivation to make, uh, to make those choices. Uh, for me, a good example would be organic food industry. So they initially struggled very hard, and I guess they still struggle to, until this day with, with the high prices. But what they, to a certain extent, managed to do is to communicate the health benefits and taste superiority of organic food, and then uh, they can justify the, the price premium. Of course, those sustainable products will not serve the entire market. It, it will be just a value proposition for a certain market segment. And this is something uh, we have to accept. And I see that a lot of companies, they get frustrated that it's not that all of our customers, now they want to opt for the sustainable products that we offer. This is not how, it's, how it works. Uh, simply, this is something that we just should have on our shelf, offer it to the people who are open to pay extra for that and understand the benefits. So I think you know, this would be my sort of very high-level um, guidance on how to, how to monetize sustainability. Super clear. And, and one thing, because given your, your experience and your expertise around pricing, I have like one question for you. It's like, do you believe sustainability will bring significant changes in this area? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, sustainability is already reshaping uh, pricing models. So the race of the circular economy is prompting this whole usage-based pricing mm -hmm. and uh, the over-the-ownership pricing model. So that's, that's a very clear change. And I think sustainability is, to some extent, responsible for, for, the, for this change. The, the whole adapt, um, acceptance for this whole sharing, uh, sharing economy. So, and I think this is something that we're going to see a, a, a further exploration and we'll have more of those sharing economy models, even in uh, industries like fashion uh, and other models that promote responsible consumption patterns. So this is, this is something I would, uh, I would definitely um, uh, relate to. And uh, like... Another example would be obviously um, uh, electric utilities. So now what, what a lot of the electric utilities offer is that they have a pricing that incentivizes consumers to consume energy during the off-peak hours, simply to reduce the strain on the grid and to promote energy savings and to promote energy usage from the re renewable sources. And I think for a lot of those models, it's, it still requires some time for us to understand how to consume them. And, and simply, of course, we, we, like, we should enforce, uh, like promote it, educate and stuff. But like, look at it from your own perspective, how long it took you to, to, to ride the, the electric scooter or to rent a car instead of owning it. Simply, it, it requires some mental space or some mental capacity, uh, and it's it's going to take take time uh, for the masses to adopt it. But I, I I see the trend. Of course, I would want it to happen quicker, 
But the, yeah. for me, I just want to see the glass a bit half full, uh, seeing the the changes that we already that are already there. Perfect. And maybe one piece of advice for like anybody being new to pricing and, and they want to explore sustainability, where do you think they should start? Well, first of all, they, they should buy your, your book. Uh, that, would be, uh, uh, that would be for me uh, the, 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 the first thing. Uh, the second would be the, the, the online course that you just, you just launched. But I still see that there is a lot of new and emerging content uh, now being created and appearing in, in the field. So just keep your keep your keep your um, eyes open. So that would be that would be the thing. And but the but I think ultimately the most important thing is as um, recently I was working. Uh, I was I just flew back from the U.S. Uh, a day ago, and on the flight I was watching a documentary on the on Yogi Berra. So Yogi Berra was this baseball player for from for New York for Yankees. And uh, like a very interesting movie, I would definitely recommend to watch. And then he's got those famous quotes, uh, one of which is, when you come to take it. So I believe that now a lot of companies are at this fork in the road when it comes to sustainability. And what they should do, they should just take it. So simply learning by doing. And uh, just don't get discouraged that your first... Uh, sustainable um, initiatives will be a failure. It's not going to work. Simply, this is how it should be. Rome wasn't built in a day. We need to test different models, just see what works and what doesn't, learn from our um, experience, and then just move on. This is the natural process. And the, simply don't get discouraged. I see companies just innovating and uh, testing all the time what works and what doesn't. And uh, I would I would recommend uh, to begin where the impact that can be immediate. So uh, take IKEA for example. And I was just um, uh, 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 simply following how they invest in sustainable uh, sustainability source materials for their products. So. They, they didn't start everything, you know, because obviously, like big corporations like IKEA, they could change a lot, or they could apply the sustainability in a lot of um, aspects of their business. They just started with this one, seeing how it works, how it resonates with the with with the consumers, and then they would just uh, probably expand it to to other uh, aspects of their of their business model. And I think. This is another thing I would um, I would suggest. So think of a place that you should just make a change, and then hopefully you can create this ripple effect in other um, uh, let's say divisions uh, aspects of your of your business. So don't try to change everything in once. Start small, test it, see what works and what doesn't, and then then scale. Don't scale too fast with your sustainable initiatives. That would be another thing I would I would definitely recommend. Perfect. And and something very interesting, I think, with with your profile, it's you are you have a big background in finance, obviously, with movements capital. How do you envision the finance sector adapting to the emerging trend of sustainability? 
Well, I think, you know, let's say the finance at its core, let's, let's remember, is about risk management, management and return on investment. This is, those are the only things that matter in, when, when you consider any investment. And now I see that sustainability becomes an internal, integral to, to corporate role, longevity and performance. We see the seismic shift in how investments are evaluated. So just taking, you know, this whole ESG um, um, initiative at EU that all companies, they have to track and monitor their uh, ESG impacts. So uh, and I see that a lot of investors are very much interested how their money are allocated, not only in terms of, in, let's say, the returns, but also mm. the impact that the money makes. So as we are now raising another fund, I would get like 80% of our potential investors would ask us, what is our take on um, sustainability? And uh, obviously we invest in those new technologies, emerging technologies, the next kind of the next big things, and we have a lot of questions around this one. And I guess we are not the only ones. I just I think last week I read that KKR, so it's one of the biggest private equities in the world. They raised uh, almost a three billion dollars global impact fund. It was their second fund, and the first one they raised just two or three years ago, and it was one point five billion dollars. So it just proves that there is a lot of appetite, a lot of demand for those kind of investments. And, and I, I hope that th there will be still more to come. So this is this, I, see a, I see a change for sure, and I hope it's going to be it's, it's going to uh, develop. Like take, take, uh, I also read that the, the European Investment Bank, they issued uh, green bonds. And yeah. for those, they got five times oversubscribed. So it shows that there is an appetite for those kind of products. Again, it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. So this is, I definitely, I see, I see a change here. Perfect. And, and tricky question because it will be between your two passion, but so which do you feel will be the primary driver of substantial change on sustainability? Is it the, the financial industry or the innovation within pricing and monetization? I, I, well, I think it's going to be the former because ultimately, again, it's, it's it, like this is what I started with. What's, I think, the most important message? It's about the why and the value. As long as consumers, they see value in sustainability, then they're going to pay a premium for that. Once we're going to have companies that can offer sustainability, in a way that they can monetize, those will be interesting investment targets. So mm. I would say, so this is how I see this kind of logic or pattern. Like Super you cannot yeah. price sustainability that sucks in a way that people don't buy. So first you need to build your value proposition, put the price tag on it. And then it's, I think you've got open doors to, to, to the financial sector for, for raising capitals and growing your venture around sustainability. This is how I see the logic. I've seen a lot of companies that wanted to scale their sustainability or sustainable business models too fast. And there wasn't too much, like enough value or meat 
around the bonds, so to say. Mm. So this Super is this is how I this is how I see it. No, perfect. And it makes a lot of sense. We, we did a, a podcast episode with Stefan Liozu and, 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 and Stefan was saying, like, start with the innovation. You know, like, innovation is key. Treat sustainability as an innovation. So either you start your startup around this innovation with sustainability or internally you can create, you know, a division or department around sustainability. And I really like, I think what we, what we didn't cover with Stefan was really like, so you start with innovation. And then the, the financial market, the financial industry will, will fuel this growth. But without this kind of like, like early growth and early on development and, and, and proof of value, you cannot you know, bring the, the investors and you cannot really scale fast. So I really like this, how you simplify that and like start with monetization pricing, prove the value, and then bring up kind of like the, the dollars that will really help you to scale. Super interesting. And, you know, maybe maybe last question. I know your, your time is uh, very valuable, so I don't want to take too much of your time. But maybe last question, we, we have a lot of young people or, or, or older people, but we have a lot of people asking us, like, you know, I, I want to start something. I, I know sustainability is important. Where should I begin? Should I start? A, should I start a startup? Should I try to do something in my company, or should I talk to my, you know, boss or my employer? Do you have any advice based on your like huge experience in this field? Well, of course, I'm biased because I I both like run my own startup. It wasn't around sustainability, so uh, and now I invest in in startups. So running a startup is a very difficult job. So uh, I think you know people underestimate the difficulty of starting your your new venture, and I've seen a lot of uh, young people leaving their corporate roles, hoping that uh, starting a startup is just you know this funny way of living. You get a ten million dollar check or hundred million dollar check when you start, and then you know you, uh, and, and things are smooth. No, it's just grinding. It's just grinding every single day. You just have to work uh, long hours, way longer hours than uh, than at the corporation. And one of the the worst things about startups is that if you just join a corporation and you don't like it, you can quit. If you start a startup and you don't like it, you cannot quit. This is the problem. Yeah, and remember that. about it. That you know, everybody's thinking it's kind of like you know the golden life is having a startup. It's far from being that. Definitely, definitely. running a startup. As I know, uh, a lot of those startup founders, and I speak to them on a on a daily basis. It's not all roses and rainbows. Yeah. And hopefully, one day in whatever five, ten, or twenty years, you're gonna get a lot of money. But until then. No one's going to pay you a, a monthly salary. Yeah. So your point is like start where you can make an impact. Yeah, I would first, you know, think uh, instead of just, uh, let's say, changing the world, think how you can change a, 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 a part of the world and prove that you were kind of responsible for the change. So you, you can have this, this success story and then build further around it. And I think, uh, especially for, for young people, I would, I would very often encourage them to start working in a corporation or in a big company just to see 
how large companies are managed and uh, and then copy that into your startup. Uh, I started in, in at Nestle and I think for many years until today, I j just source inspiration from what I learned there. I'm not saying Nestle was like perfect everywhere, but the company that's one of the biggest, you know, food manufacturers in the world and that employs whatever, I don't know how many, 100,000 people has to do something right. Yeah. So, and I think this is a great school to learn how to run a business, especially in your, in your 20s. Yeah. And also just look at the data. The most successful startup founders are not the ones, of course, you have the stories from um, uh, Steve Jobs and all the uh, founders of Google that were called dropouts and all of that stuff. The reason we just read those stories and we get so fascinated by them is that they are so uncommon. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Most of the, most of the successful startup founders, they have some business experience. They worked in a couple of places. They made some large and small successes and they have some failures under their belt as well. And based on that, they see, okay, so I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and then, you know, how I want to grow my business and what's my value proposition I want to offer to the, to the world. And I think it's the it's, it's same with sustainability. If you want to build something around it, you need to know and learn how to grow a business around sustainability. And some fundamentals are exactly the same, regardless if you want to do a sustainable startup or if you want to sell shoes or you want to sell baby formulas. Perfect. I think those are perfect words to kind of like end this podcast. So, Matthias, thank you so much again for your wise words. And, you know, for the audience, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you found it insightful and inspiring. If you want to stay connected with us, learn more and continue this sustainability journey and discussion, please subscribe to our bi-weekly digest on www.pricingfortheplanet.com and follow us on LinkedIn. You can also follow Massiage Krauss on LinkedIn. I will put the link below so you can, you, you can follow him. He's posting a lot of good stuff, so I really encourage you to, to follow him. And listeners, we also need your help by leaving a comment and rating this podcast. You are not just giving us feedback. You are also helping boost the visibility of those critical discussions. Every comment, every like, every share help us reach more people and spread the word about our mission. So thank you for your time, your interest and your commitment to sustainability. Be 100%.